glad to have you today with us. Would you please to your neighbor, just say hello, get their name. We're glad to have you in Crossroads Ministries. everything to praise your name and we thank you lord for being the true savior of the world lord god we ask lord that as we come to worship you this morning that our hearts and our minds and our souls will all be lifted towards you god thank you so much for the journey that you've given us called life that because we have real life in you lord god that we can share 
the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord, because now is the time to worship. We love you. Amen. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God.
you're here today, would you take the friendship folder that's in front of you, the black folder? Just fill that out so that we can know that you're here today and pass that on down to your friends that are sitting with you today. If you are a first-time visitor, welcome. We're glad to have you here. If you'd like to get some information about our church and we have a gift for you, please stop at the Welcome Center in our foyer and we can talk with you there and um, you can enjoy the, the chocolate that we have prepared for you. Some announcements that we have here today. This coming Wednesday is an exciting night. Our children's ministry is kicking off for the fall. Our youth ministry has already been in progress over at our Connect Student Ministries building, but the Wednesday night, our children are getting together. It's from little preschoolers all the way up to fifth grade. And what this means is Clubhouse Kids is kicking off. It is a great opportunity for you to bring your children up here so that they can learn about God, have fun, learn about the Bible, how much Jesus loves them, and really just enjoy time together as little ones learning and growing in Christ. If you have any questions, you can see Courtney Hodson, or there is some information in the Welcome Center. Also coming up um, on September the 30th is our Children of the World Choir. It's really awesome because this is going to be a group of children that we want to invite you and your friends in our community to come. Children from all over the world, such as countries as Uganda, Nepal, the Philippines, and Honduras. We've had groups in here like this before, and it's something that you do not want to miss. It is fantastic seeing children from around the world worshiping Jesus with the voices that he has given them. Also coming up... Before we know it is Christmas. With the weather changing, we got to get ready for our Christmas musical. This year we're doing the musical Humbug. And if you are interested or want to get information on singing, acting, dancing, um, being a part of the stage crew, and all the things that make this big musical outreach that we have for Christmas time for our communities and our families and friends, please stop and see me at the Welcome Center. Choir is going to be kicking off next week, and so if you want any further information about how to apply to do that, you come see me in the Welcome Center. Okay, so I told you this Wednesday night is our children's ministry kicking off, but also we're excited about our small groups for adults that are kicking off. A couple uh, classes will be um, offered at the same time. So if you have children, you bring them at the same time. If you don't, you're an adult, we want you to come on out. There's several, I think there's four or five small groups that are being offered, but we want you to take a look at the screen. We have a couple um, videos up here that we want you to see that have a couple of the classes that we're offering. You do not have to sign up ahead of time. If you're still thinking about it, you can just show up next Wednesday night. So if you want to just uh, take a look at the screen and see some things we had to offer. Thank you. Financial peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready 
for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. Let's be honest. Conversations about faith are usually off limits. It's gotten to the point where the church can be the last place you would think to have a conversation about God. We want to change that. Starting Point is a place where no questions or discussions are off limits. It's not about a teacher giving you information. It's about a conversation. It's about being with other people, like you. And we really mean that. You're free to ask any question you want. This is your opportunity to explore faith freely. It's not another place where people will talk at you. We want to talk with you. So are you curious about God, Jesus, the Bible, or Christianity? Or did you recently begin a relationship with Jesus? Or have you returned to church after some time away? Starting Point is for you. Every Starting Point group is guided by qualified leaders, but your voice matters to the group. Your thoughts add value. You may even ask the question that someone else is afraid to ask. Starting Point, where your questions about God turn into a conversation about faith. It's so good to see everybody in the church this morning. If you're happy to be here, say amen. Today is our men's retreat down at Deep Creek, Maryland. Many of our men are down there this morning. They're having their service as we're having ours up here uh, in Finleyville. Uh, they'll be coming back this afternoon. I've got good reports from those guys. A lot of wonderful things are happening. You know, when men get a, together in a beautiful environment like Deep Creek, Maryland, good things really do happen. They're going to come back all excited and thrilled about the things of God because that's, that's what that whole men's retreat is all about. I'm especially excited about uh, our Financial Peace University, which you just saw a little clip about. Uh, this is a great program for people that want to have a financial plan in their life, and, and I think that everybody really needs that. And the people that have gone through this have had tremendous testimonies about how they got, got their finances in order and uh, they finally had a little peace in their life. You know, if you don't have your finances in order, uh, you don't have much peace in your life. So please take advantage of these Wednesday evening classes uh, that are coming up this next week. Look over this carefully, see what you would like to be involved in. Uh, make the appropriate call or come up and just show up at one of the men's groups, the ladies' group, whatever it is. But do take advantage of this. We thank you every week for your participation financially in the ministry of the church. I was telling somebody earlier, our church never sleeps uh, for obvious reasons. You know, the, the Lord has lots of work to do. If you come up on this hill any day of the week, almost day or night, something's going on. It's not only our church is for the, the members of the church, but it's for our community also. And we have community events that we open the church up for as well. So uh, you are the ones that make all these things possible. And so let's stand together, please, as our ushers come this morning, and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you so much for your consistent giving to the ministry of the church. I know the Lord blesses you for that. And uh, now let's thank the Lord because he's the one that gave this all to us anyway. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love and how you take care of us from week to week, how you provided strength and energy 
this last week for us to go to work and earn a living for our family. And now we come together as a church family, Lord, to uh, provide a living for the church right up here on the hill. And then all of our missionaries around the world, Lord, that we help as well. And we, uh, we just want to thank you for making this all possible for us. And we pray it in the name of Jesus and the Lord's people said, Amen. You may be seated.
open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. The book of Ephesians, chapter 6. If you forgot to bring your Bible this morning, there might be one uh, somewhere there in front of you underneath one of the chairs. As you're looking for that, let me just um, introduce my remarks this morning. A little bit over 20 years ago, I got together some of our Sunday school teachers here at the church and we met in a little room downstairs and I said, hey, let's, let's try to get our prayer life in order. Let's try to get organized. Because, you know, most people can have an organized Bible reading schedule. You know, you can print those things off the Internet and you can check off the blocks and in the course of a year you can read through the whole Bible. My wife Joanne and I do that every year. She reads the Bible through, I read the Bible through, just as a devotional type situation. Uh, it's easy to be organized in that way as far as Bible reading. But you know, when you ask a lot of people about their prayer life, it's just like, that's given up to chance. You know, I, I pray when I feel like it, and most of the time I don't feel like it, so I don't pray. And, and uh, I guess you could classify it as really a disaster. And so I got the teachers together and I said, hey, listen, let's get organized. And uh, I, brought, I went out and I bought some of these little single-subject notebooks and I passed them out and I said, listen, I, I also included a piece of paper with them that had categories that they could categorize uh, the different things for which they wanted to pray. For instance, the first category was adoration, praise to God. And so uh, they were writing verses here and then they were reading them back to God, a praise verses that they discovered in the Bible, things in their own heart that they wanted to praise God for. Uh, then they had uh, other sections, family members, uh, young teenagers, you need lots of pages for that in, the, in your prayer journal. You know, and you write down in there how you're walking them through their life in prayer. Uh, people in the community that need prayer, people that need physical healing. I'll tell you what, we, you could fill the book. And what happened is the Sunday school teachers really got excited about this. And they started writing in their book, and, and people would say, hey, listen, I understand you're praying now. Would you pray for this? And so they would go home, and they would write that in their book, and so they wouldn't leave this thing up to chance. Corey Tin Boone said one time, don't pray to God when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. Now that makes good sense, doesn't it? I'd like to talk to you this morning uh, from Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 11. Paul's talking about this warfare that you and I are engaged in. And I think a lot of times when people first come to Christ, they don't know anything about warfare. They're just interested in finding a savior for their soul so that their sins could be forgiven, so that they could have a na their name written down in heaven and they could have peace in their heart. Uh, they never, I think, realize that they're really enlisting in an army, the army of God. Well, Paul makes these applications in the Bible in all sorts of his books of the Bible, in Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and in Philemon and here in Ephesians he says in verse 11 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil the word wiles there means trickery or strategies 
Satan is a very tricky character. And he's out to take you down as a Christian. And he's out to take me down. And so Paul says, listen, I'm going to tell you how to stand against the devil and all of his demon forces. Look at it, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against... And I want you to notice the word against here, how many times it's mentioned. And the word against actually has the meaning of being up close, like, just like that, in mortal combat with the forces of the evil one. Put on the whole armor of God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Oftentimes we say, well, this person's really against me. Well, a spiritual warfare is much different than that. Spiritual warfare is not necessarily wrapped up in people, but it's wrapped up in demonic sources, invisible sources. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, people, but against principalities and powers, that's demons, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. The word host means armies, Satan's armies of wickedness in heavenly places, in the unseen world. You know, you and I, we just see what we can see with our natural eyes. Paul is taking us here beyond the veil of what we can see into the area that we cannot see. And Paul is saying, listen, there's a whole spiritual warfare going on in places that you cannot see. And so he gives us the tactic that he wants us to employ. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You know, when people are in the military, if you've noticed some of them recently, they have so many armaments on, I don't know how they walk, really. You know, they have this big helmet, and they have cameras, and they have gadgets all over them attached. It's, it's amazing, the stuff they have. But, you know, it's needed in their line of work. They have to have all of that equipment. And that equipment enables them to be a better officer uh, to keep the peace or to wage warfare. And so here he's talking about our armament. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. You know, the Christian army is, a, is a, an army that, that propagates the truth of God. That's our job. Uh, in this world that says that, that truth is, is false and the false things are true, it is up to you and me to stand for truth. That's the army of God. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, Satan shoots at you. Have you felt that recently? He shoots fiery darts at you. Faith, our faith, is the shield that, that displaces or diverts the darts that Satan is shooting at us. Take the helmet of salvation the sword, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, no church could ever overestimate the value of the Bible. Never get weary with anybody that is taking the Bible and saying, listen, this is the book. This is the book that's going to take you through the rest of your life. This is God's book that has the instructions for you and me to live out our life on earth. 
And so here it's called the sword of the spirit because it's the Bible that first, isn't it the Bible that first like attracted you to God? I tell people this, when you open the Bible, you're in, with, in proximity to the voice of God. You know, if you have your Bible at home and it's always closed, you can't hear from God. But as soon as you open it, it's like a megaphone that God speaks to you. It's the sword of the Spirit. And then our verse for this morning is in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's a lot of things in that verse. So what we're going to do this morning is take that verse step by step. You know, I, I love that verse. Actually, what I do is I pray to the Lord that God will make me an Ephesians 6.18 prayer. Lord, I want you to put the principles that you have outlined in, in Ephesians 6.18 into my heart so that I can be the kind of prayer that you need me to be. You know, praying is a part of our society. We pray everywhere, really. Sometimes we don't even think about it. Um, I've recently gone to Dallas on several occasions. The first occasion I had an appointment down there at, at the Canyon Creek Baptist Church in, in the suburbs of Dallas, and I had my little carry-on. And you know, when you go to the airport, they always give you this announcement. Well, you know, there's not much room on this plane, and so we'd really appreciate it if you would uh, uh, bring your bag up here and we'll load it on the airplane for you. And, and without thinking, I thought, oh, okay, that's a good idea. And so I brought my bag up there, and I was walking around a little bit, and after a while, I only saw two bags, and I knew that it was probably not a good idea to do that. So uh, they loaded my bag on the plane, out of my possession and you know what I thought about for the next three hours am I going to get that bag back that's all I thought about and so what happened when I got to Dallas and uh, here, here comes the bags I joined all the rest of the people that were praying for their bags at the carousel people pray uh, at different places and different times uh, we pray a lot of times for parking spaces don't we how many people recently prayed for a parking space? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, I, I, and every time I do that, I feel guilty. I feel like, Lord, why would I bother the God of creation about the stupid parking space? But, you know, that's a practical thing, right? Uh, we pray about all kinds of things, and we don't even think about it. You know, uh, I heard about a woman who was at work, and she received a phone call about her daughter was very sick at home with a fever. And the babysitter called and said, hey, listen, you better go get some medicine for your daughter because she's really ill. And so the lady ran out of work and she went to the pharmacy and, uh, to get some medicine to take home. And she did the fateful thing and locked her keys in the car. So she's in a hurry and she's trying to, she calls the babysitter back and says, hey, listen, my keys are locked in the car. What will I do? And the babysitter said probably what you would say, well, isn't there an old clothes hanger that you can find? How many people have ever used that? <laughs> Isn't there an old clothes hanger that you can find? See, she looked around, and evidently there was one because that's always happening in these parking lots, you know. And she got the clothes hanger, and she's struggling with the clothes hanger, and she's getting so disgusted, and uh, she decides to pray to God, last resort. Dear Lord, help me send somebody who can get me out of this situation. 
No sooner had she done that than this old rusty car pulled up with this dirty, greasy, bearded guy. And, uh, and uh, she thought immediately when she saw him, uh, Lord, uh, I asked for help, but I don't know if I want this kind of help. Well, the man uh, said, listen, lady, can I help you? And she said, she explained the whole story to him. And he said, okay, just give me a minute. He took the clothes hanger. And uh, just in about a minute, he had the door open. Uh, well, she was so excited that he, uh, that he opened the door. Uh, she hugged the man and through her tears, she said, thank you so much. You are a very nice man. Well, the man replied, lady, I am not a nice man. I got out of prison today and I've been in prison for car theft and I've only been out for one hour. Well, the woman, uh, the woman hugged him again and sobbed in great tears and cried out to the Lord. And she said, Lord, thank you, God, for sending me a professional. <laughs> you know, we, we pray about all kinds of stuff. You know that? We really do. Uh, but I'm here this morning to tell you how God in the Bible teaches us to pray. And so on the back of your courier, we have the outline for this morning, if you'll look at it. First of all, in verse number 18, we have the frequency of prayer. You probably ask yourself, well, how often should I pray? Well, this verse of Scripture said that we should pray all the time. And it sounds so much to me like uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Remember that verse, pray without ceasing? I think that's the question most asked oftentimes when people think about prayer. How, how much should we be praying? How much? Well, I got a definition. I'm ready to give it to you. And if some of you would like to write it down, you can. This is the definition. Praying at appointed times and on every occasion and in between, audible and inaudible. You see, God hears our prayers whether we verbalize them to him outwardly or whether we just speak to him in our heart. It's the same. He hears what we are speaking. Praying at appointed times and on every occasion. You know, people in the Old Testament prayed at least three times a day. Uh, Psalm 55, 17 says this, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and the Lord will hear my voice at least three times a day. And I've told you before that I have my cell phone alarm set, my prayer alarm on my phone. First thing I do in the morning, of course, I have my devotions, and that's been a great habit for me in my life, to get up in the morning and spend time with God before I go out and do anything else in the world. But at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, my cell phone rings, and uh, it's time for me then to pray to God. At 8 o'clock in the evening, my cell phone rings again. That's my prayer alarm. I'm trying to practice what the people in the Old Testament practiced, praying at appointed times. You see, if we don't have an appointed time, now follow me, if we don't have an appointed time, we probably won't have a time to pray. You know what we'll do? We'll leave it to chance, and we'll say, ah, oh, you know, when I get in a bind, I'm going to pray to God. When I get my back against the wall and I have nowhere to move, I think I'm going to call out to God then. Well, you know, prayer is so much bigger than that. Prayer isn't meant to be that at all. It's to uh, have pray to God at appointed times and then times in between those times. You ever go out with friends uh, to a restaurant? 
and they know you're a Christian. And so that means that if they do pray, who gets to pray? You do, right? They call down the end of the table, hey, reverend. Now, you're not a reverend, but they, they call you that anyway because you're a Christian. Hey, reverend, uh, would you lead us in prayer? And they're so thankful that you will because they would die if they had to. You know, it would kill them. And so we have to be ready at times like that to step up. We can't say, oh, no, I can't pray in public. I'm afraid to do that. Uh, that's not too spiritual, is it? And so this is the definition. Praying at appointed times and on every occasion and in between audible and inaudible, uh, it's really communion with God. Uh, Jim Watts has, a, has a, a neat illustration. Some of you have heard it. Jim Watts is the greatest grandfather in our church. I mean, all the people of our church talk about how great he is with his grandkids. He's got more grandkids. They just keep coming. And when they come to visit him here, they like, they like, they're everywhere. They're like ants. Don't tell them I said that. I mean, they are the cutest kids you ever saw. They are gorgeous, these kids. And they follow him around. And wherever he goes, they go. Because you know what? He has vitamin M's back in his office. You know what that is? Vitamin M? He has that. He is the greatest grandparent. And he was, he's, he's talking about uh, this illustration he read in the book. The pastor was having a Bible study with the teenagers of the church, and he was trying to get the teenagers to walk with God. You know, that's important when you're a teenager. You've got to walk with God. He was trying to explain it to them that they had to experience the presence of God. And so the one teenage boy, he was trying to figure out, how can I do this? How can I experience God? And so he was a wrestler. And so he went to the school gym to wrestle. And when he went for the match, he, he uh, went up onto the mat like this. And the, you picked it up. You know what he's, what he's doing, right? He's practicing the presence of God. So he just so happened to win the match that day. And when he came down back to his seat, he, he went like this. And everybody in the gym, of course, they didn't know what he was doing. But he knew what he was doing. He was practicing the presence of God. Uh, he was in communion with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is when you get close with God. You get close with God. And so that, the story gets better. He's got this little, this, little, this little boy, this grandson. Which one is it? Tell me. Yeah, that's him. Lyle, he's the cutest kid. I love that kid. I love that kid. And Lyle. And, and, uh, and so Jim is talking about, to somebody about practicing the presence of Christ. And little Lyle is there, and he's like going like this. And he says, Grandpa, do you mean this? He got it. Little Lyle. He got it. Practicing the presence of Christ. That's what prayer is. Prayer is getting close up personal with God. And how often are we supposed to do that? When we get in trouble? No, when we're out of trouble. All the time. And so that's the frequency of prayer. The next is the variety of prayer. Somebody told me one time, you know, prayer is boring to me. And, and you know, when they said that, I, I thought, I know reason, reason why it's boring. Because, 
because all they do is ask God for things. You know, before you really learn how to pray, that's all you know how to do is ask God for things. We have this big list, and we say, God, now, are you ready? I, I'm ready. And we say, oh, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need and this, and this. Let me add a few other things. I need this. And you know what happens when we do that to God? I'm going to tell you what happens. God almost always says no to every single thing you ask him like that. So we go down the list and we say, God, I need this, I need this, and boy, I'd really like to have that. And this person has that, so I should have that. And God keeps saying no, 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 no. Because most of it is out of the will of God. It's your will, but not God's will. God doesn't want to answer things that are of your will, but he does want to answer things that are in his will. So he says, no, 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 no. And you know what that does to you? You walk away and you say, God does not answer prayer. I don't believe in prayer. I'm not praying anymore. God doesn't pay any attention to me. You know, God is really not excited about your list. He really isn't. He's excited about you getting over on the page where his list is. And so real prayer involves variety. I'm going to give you several ways in which to pray. The first is adoration. I was reading a book one day, and there was a quote there, and I wrote it down, and it said, the early Christians were known for their daily adorations. Now, that's worship. Now, we know today churches are known for different things. Somebody will say, boy, that church is really all out for young people. That's a good thing. That's good to be known for that. Or this church is all about Bible teaching. Or this church is all about prophecy. Well, the early church was noted for their daily adorations. That means their praise to God. When the, when the people of the world walked by the church, they saw the church praising God. Now, we don't really understand much about what that is, adorations. You know, we adore lots of things in life. You know that? We do. We adore babies, don't we? When somebody comes into our church with a little baby, this whole place goes crazy. They lose their mind. You know, they're all huddled around this mother who's so tired with this little baby in her arm, and Dad looks like he's been through the mill. You know, he had to come to church. She made him. And, and, but we're all looking at this little baby, and we're marveling at this, this beautiful baby that God gave this family. It's just, we and we say, boy, I really adore that. that I adore that baby. That's what the church did to God. They came together and said, God, we, ad we adore you. We adore you. And we sing that song, Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. And so that's what the early church was into. And so that's prayer. And so what we do is we write down verses that are praise to God in our book, our notebook, and then we read them back to God and we say, oh God, you are so incredible. Look at your notes. What do we adore him for? for first of all, for who he is. Hebrews 13, 15, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. 
Psalm 119, verse 164, I will praise the Lord seven times a day. 1 Timothy 1.17, you are the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. You are God who alone is wise. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's praise. That's taking those praise verses and like giving them back to God. And you know what that's doing? That's not getting you anything. But you are giving God what he wants from you. He wants your praise. He wants you to love him. He wants you to adore him. And so we, pray, we praise him for who he is and then for what he does. Uh, he's the creator. Colossians 1.16. For through him he created all things, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things are created by him and for him, and he was before all things and things, and by him all things consist. And then we praise him because he saved us. You know, we can never get over that. We can never get over the fact that he looked down in our life one day and picked us up out of the, the miry clay and washed our heart off with the blood of Christ and gave us a new life and gave us the Holy Spirit. So there are plenty of things to praise him about. The next thing is confession and repentance. You know, that's a gift that the Lord gives us to renew our lives each day. Repentance. Uh, let me give you a few verses here. Are you ready? Uh, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. That's a dangerous prayer to pray. And what that means is this. That's giving God the permission to take his flashlight and look into the corners of our heart. You know, there are places in our heart that we don't want God to see. Uh, we keep those things like that. And we say, God, don't look there, please. I don't want you there. The, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, God, I'm giving you permission. Get your flashlight out. Here I am. Look it over. And God says, oh, oh yeah, I know about that. What about that? Okay, search me. And then bring it to my attention and then lead me out of that. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Lord, I not only want to say the right thing, I want to think the right thing. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. You'll be clean and ready for the master to use you for every good work. Confession and repentance, that's, that's important. You know, I think when I first found the Lord, I would do this routine. God, forgive me of my sins. Thanks a lot. You know, what's that all about? I'm covered, right? Wrong. Let me suggest to you some different things that you can implement when you come to God and you do this. This is confession. Okay, God. Are you ready? Okay, let's, let's take the first thing. Lord, forgive me for doing anything that offends your holiness. You see, God is holy, Psalm 22, 3. He's enthroned in the praises of his people. Forgive me of anything that's hurt you, Lord, hurt your name. You know, God is perfect. And when we do things that are unpleasing to him, it hurts him. Now, there's nothing that can change the love of God for you. That, that's, that's the beautiful thing. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. That's why we're in love with God. Because he loves us so much, right? You know, love is a strange thing. 
I often ask myself, uh, as a father, I, a, a father of three sons, I, I wonder sometimes, can, are there other people that love their kids as much as I? Is it possible that anybody loves their kids as much as I do? Because, I, you know, I'm like crazy in love with my kids. You feel the same way? It's like, holy cow, when you think of your kids, you're like, oh, man, I, it's nothing I wouldn't do for them. There's no sacrifice I wouldn't make for them. I mean, that's all I think about is how my kids are going, doing. And so I think, but you know, God is even more intense, in, I think, in his love for us. And I try to compare that. He's more intense. So, so when we do things that are wrong, it doesn't change his love for us. Like when one of your kids does something wrong, uh, you don't say, okay, I don't love you anymore. You probably love them more then. Uh, nothing changes your love for your kids, but they hurt you. And, and so you say you have your, your kids are out there and they come home and they do something wrong and you look at them and, and they see this hurt in your eyes. And you say, well, why did you do that? How could you do that to our family? How could you? I don't understand. Haven't we taught you better than that? And so, and so I think there are a lot of things in my life that hurt God, that hurt God. And you know, I'm sorry about that because he loves me so much. And so I say, Lord, this is the way I do it. Lord, forgive me for hurting you. So we're off to a good start. Prayer isn't boring anymore. This is big stuff. Okay, the next thing I talk to God about is, Lord, give me an unforgiving spirit. You know, an unforgiving spirit is so important. If you have your Bibles this morning, will you turn over to Matthew chapter 6 with me, please? And we're going we're gonna to do this quickly. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 12. This is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he's taught you and me to, to say this prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That means, Lord, forgive me of my sins in proportion to how I forgive other people for sinning against me. Uh, and then look down at verse 14. Now, this is big right here. For if you forgive men their sins, trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And so in our confession time, we have to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins in proportion to how I forgive other people. And if we don't forgive other people, we can't get our sins forgiven according to this verse. And so what that means is we have to forgive those people who hurt us, offend us. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean a feeling it's an action and forgiveness means letting these people go on with their life letting them live outside of our anger we, we may see them and forgiveness is not glaring them down and saying in your eyes listen I hate you I'll always hate you that's not forgiveness forgiveness is having a pleasant expression on your face and letting them go on with their life so that you can go on with your life. See, if you don't let your offenders go on with you, their life, you can never go on with your life. 
they hold you captive. And not only do they hold you captive, you can't get your sins forgiven when you come to God. And so you go through this whole routine, give, forgive me of this and forgive me of that, and God says, listen, I can't do that until you forgive all these other people. And when you let all these other people, you release them from your anger, then I'll forgive you of your sins. Now, now this is a Christian sins, right? We do all sorts of crazy things. Uh, and so what happens is the guilt of our sins builds up on us. And so here's a Christian coming to this church and uh, you haven't forgiven people in your past and here you are you're all weighted down with your sins because God hasn't forgiven you he hasn't lifted the guilt and so what happens is you get slower and slower as a Christian you become depressed uh, you become useless to God you can't move you can't get excited about the things of the Lord now there's a miracle that takes place there's a miracle that takes place when you forgive other people. And this is what I pray for, Lord. Give me the grace to forgive other people. Because, and now I'm ready to ask you to forgive me. And this is a miracle that God does. He takes the guilt off of your shoulders. I can't explain this. I only experience this. He takes the guilt off of your shoulders. And you can run again. You can be free. It's a miracle. It really is. And so, let's pray to the Lord. Lord, forgive us. And then, for pride. I'm a type A personality. I've always had a problem with this. A type A personality has all the answers. Do you know that? You just ask a question, they'll give you a five-part answer, a, a plan for the rest of your life, even without knowing your problem. And it's amazing what they can do. They're disgusting sometimes, really. But, but, you know, God hates pride. I found that in the Bible. God hates pride. And the, and the only people that he can work through are humble people. And so let's pray to God and say, Lord, uh, forgive me of my pride and help me to esteem other people better than myself. That's Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. You know, uh, I think when you go to Walmart, sometimes you get prideful, you know that? You do. Because you, you look up and you see somebody and you say, holy cow, what's wrong with them? How can they live like this? It's like, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? And, and what you're doing is you're saying, I'm better than them. Why can't they get their act together? How disgusting is this? Um, and so what happens is we go around looking down at people. Now, the Bible has a cure for that. It's Philippians 2.3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. And so this is my little practice. When I'm tempted to do that, which I'm mostly always tempted to do that, I say to myself, that person has a better heart than I do. You see, because I can't see their heart, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and so I'm going to stop looking down at them 
And I'm going to start looking up at them. That takes away my pride. That humbles me. And humility is where God wants us to live. Because the Bible says God stands against the proud, but he gives blessings to the humble. Now, I see our time has fled away today. And so what we're going to do is pick this up next Sunday, the Lord willing, okay? So you've had a lot to think about, haven't you already? I got lots more to give you next week, okay? Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, let me encourage you to make a decision to become the prayer that God wants you to become. Stop asking God for all this stuff and start giving God some things in prayer. Go home and get that notebook out. And start writing things down for which you praise the Lord. Write down the names of all your kids and say, Lord, I thank and praise you for, for Billy and James and Jane and Randy. And I praise you for this, Lord. And I, I praise you for our health. And I praise you that our family is still together. And I praise you that I have a job. And just go on and on with God and write it all down and then read it all back to him and keep writing stuff down and, and uh, become the prayer that God wants you to become. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never opened your heart to Christ. You've never invited him in. Why don't you do that today? You don't have to walk down an aisle. You don't have to have an emotional experience. All you have to do, or do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I'm trusting you and you alone for my soul salvation. Uh, I'm going on record today, Lord, to follow you. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's you. Just put your name right in there. If you call, he'll save you. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your words in the Bible that just reverberate down through the centuries into this room today. We pray that we will reach out by faith and grab a hold of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and pray, please feel free to do that.
Your love is long. Your love is wide. Your love is deep. Your love is high. Your love is long. Your love is wide. Your love is deeper than my view of grace. Higher than this worldly place. Longer than this road I travel. Wider than. The gap you fill, deeper than my view of grace, higher than this worldly place, longer than this road I travel, wider than the gap you fill. Thank you, everybody up here on the platform, for the great job you do for us each week. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a, a little notebook, like this for prayer, uh, to get one, and uh, start to make your categories, praise and thanksgiving, I'll tell you, you'll fill the book up, and after you start filling the book up, just read those things back to God, say, Lord, I want to remind you about this stuff, I want to praise your name, you see, that? that's not asking for something.